You're listening to Raft City Radio, your underground overwater home of all the latest news about the Callisto 6. My name is Mitch, aka Kung Fu Panzer, and with me I have... Lawrence, aka P.A. Blackhawk. KC, aka Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-Y-X. Av, aka Captain Tiny. Craig, aka V. Cam Spouge. And Cater, a.k.a. Cater. As always, at the top of the episode, for Season 2, Issue 6, what did we all think? Should we hold a parade <laughs> because they did an insight check? Yeah. I was like a proud dad. Oh, man. Yes, an actual, actual insight check. And it was just amazing. And of course, we got shouted out about that. Yeah, the vindication I felt when Eric was like the Raft City Radio crew or all that. Like, do an inside check! I was like, God, yeah. How, how they put it? Politely shouting? Yeah, politely, politely yelling. shouting. Yeah, they're shouting about this. Politely shouting, but shouting. <laughs> I feel like we need to find a nicer way to encourage them to do things we want. Like, stickers. Like, I did an insight check. Yeah, Kato and I have discussed this. Here you go, have a gold star. You did Don't the start. insight check. Because I feel like shouting is still very harsh. Even if it's polite, it's still, you know, it's still quite aggressive. I want to gently change their ways. Yeah, but you don't want to be too passive-aggressive. So I think this episode was really fun for a few reasons. Downtime episodes with Eric are never boring. Like, he always manages to make something out of them. Mm. It was a very engaging episode. Yeah, and when we got into it, we had a little bit of discussion that I found very interesting with the parents and we'll get onto Anton's parents a little bit later but like the mention of let's have a superhero parent support group which I just found hilarious mostly because I want Hops's mother in a room with Anton's dad in a room with Luma's mother oh my god in a room with the dads <laughs> I just want that magic and then we have the added bonus of Eric having to talk to himself for half an hour again Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, that's wonderful. This is all six of the players just legs up on the table. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. It's all yours. <laughs> any any opportunity we can have to force Eric to talk to himself is one I will always <laughs> jump at. It'd be really funny if, like, we have this Eric talking to himself a lot with all the parents. I'd beg of one of the players to just be like, I'm going to pop in a GM intrusion <laughs> to just reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be a GM intrusion or would that be a player intrusion? GM, because they're watching Eric play. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> oh, how the turntable. Oh, it would just be so funny. Eric wouldn't be able to buy his way out of it, though, because he doesn't have XP. Exactly. And then he'd have to give one XP to himself. Not sure this is going to work. This has got complicated and confusing. Maybe he gets one XP per character he's playing in that scene. That would be a lot of experience. If <laughs> well, then maybe maybe he'll get to tier two. But he be, he deserves it. I don't want to discuss the extra powers <laughs> Eric might get as a tier two GM. <laughs> they could get terrifying. I think we're getting a little bit sidetracked. Maybe just a tad. So one of the really fun parts of this episode was kind of getting to know Raft City more, and we had Old Venice, and it was it just felt really like. Anyone who's been to a really close-knit small town or is from a close-knit small town understands that vibe, and Eric nailed it. And Luma and Lacey and Cass 
all kind of getting in and being a part of that was just beautiful. And I love the, this restaurant's really popular, probably because of hipsters. And like, there's a line out the door and nobody could get seated. And you walk in and the owner's like, hi guys, come, I've, I've reserved your table again. It's great. I, I, I like the, the rapport because it's not, it's not a C6 thing. It's a Luma and Lacey and Rough City and knowing everybody thing. Yeah. And I like that kind of backstory that isn't backstory. It just fleshes things out and makes everything so real and so tangible. And it's nice to have those moments then that aren't directly related to what is this character's trauma? Let's explore it. It's really good. Yeah, it just felt oh, it felt really kind of natural that they be in the restaurant and they know the owner and it's yeah it just it just felt a really good bit uh good bit of the environment just to explore and be in yeah i do have that restaurant in my hometown uh i do kind of i come from a place where it feels a little bit to me like every Italian I know is related because there's just a sprawling family that runs a restaurant where we always go to and is also my dad's before he married my mom's previous ex-girlfriend is part of that family and the person who looked after me when I was a kid is part of that family and my next door neighbour is part of that family and those are all different branches of one incredibly complicated and sprawling family. But I have this restaurant and there Kato, is a... Kato, it doesn't it doesn't help that there's only about a hundred people that live in your hometown. Yes, and... Some of them aren't Italian. And 99 of them are Italian. <laughs> but I do have that thing where I can walk into a restaurant and they'll be like, oh, it's really busy. Come out the back. Here's the table. Which is a super special thing and really does make you feel like you're part of a community. And for me, it's really hard because I met most of these people when I was a kid. Uh, and so I don't remember their names, but they saw me growing up. So they know who I am just so much. But it really does build on that kind of that family and community feeling. And it is a really wonderful thing to get if you can find a place like that. Also, I really like the aesthetic of this vaguely nautical themed restaurant. So I was always going to be on side. Yeah, there's boats involved. You're always going to be on it. <laughs> on the flip side, the relationship that Luma and Lacey have with the restaurant means that they walk in and everyone is just kind of like, the hell? And therefore everyone's looking at them. And they were on the news. To be fair, I don't think it's just because they got into the restaurant super quick. It's them. Oh yeah, it's it's them. And just Celebrities. like guys, just a level of incognito. That ship has sailed so long ago. You no longer get to <laughs> complain about it. It is there is nothing yeah. they can do. That ship has gone over the horizon. It's no longer visible. It's yeah. Just like Cass, wear a hat. <laughs> Mitch, wear a different jacket. I don't know how common wheelchairs are. I don't know how common people who cannot consciously not stretch when they move are in this town. But I think like those things, probably just by themselves, are enough. It's not just Cass's hair, it's also L Luma's hair. Like, it is all of them. They all have a vibe. Hops has this white streak through her hair now. I think it would be hard not to look at like that group of people and go, wasn't there a redhead when when those guys saved that tower? Um, and I think there was like a person with a wheelchair maybe there as well. And ooh, yeah, there was a guy um, with weird glasses. Like it would be very easy to put that together, even if you took away the slightly more radical things like rainbow hair. I know. I'm just gonna futilely attempt to nudge them in a direction of a little bit of subtlety. They had that chance in season one. It's it's blown now. It's yeah. Now that we've got our insight check, we've moved on to please get a disguise. I'm begging you. I, I think we've kind of moved on for that, but at least they're not sort of using that to an advantage. 
Mm. It reminds me of a line from the first Fantastic Four movie, the one from about 10 years ago, where uh, Chris Evans, who played Johnny Storm beforehand, he says, well, maybe he got these powers for a reason. Maybe it was a higher calling, and the one who was uh, Ian Loford, who played uh, Mr. Fantastic, is like, a higher calling, like making money and getting girls? And Johnny replied, is there any higher? Oh, young Chris Evans. Yes, so young Chris at least they're not doing that. They're not taking that Johnny Storm route where they're really trying to capitalize on it. Mm. It's just a fact. And and I like that they're not... Because you, you figured Anton would probably be the one that would be the one that would really embrace it. Because being PR and stuff like what we saw in episode one of the whole series where he was doing the posing and the, and the selfies and really sort of soaking it up where now it's a little different mm. yeah so it's, it's interesting i just i'm just i just want them to have cool superhero names well they can that's not off the table yet i do think it's really important though because people are generally on their side and generally friendly towards them and the attention from the public has been positive and it is helping them to form a brand. Like they've revealed that their name is the Callisto Six to that one guy um, who is very excited because there have been bets and there's a lot of mystery around them. But I think it's important to note that there is no way they can hide from the media and there is no way they can hide from the corpse. And we see that this episode. The people that would seek to hurt them already know who they are. So unless the public turn on them in a massive way, the public are really an asset to them. And being as open and available and friendly and just physically more present than the corpse are in downtown LA and actually revealing that, yeah, they go to these places that you know and they walk to work and don't take a super fancy limo or do sort of normal people things is going to help get the public of LA on their side, which is what they want. Because even if they were mysterious and hidden, the corpse would still know who they were. So it would kind of be pointless. I'm very interested to see what kind of branding happens and how they can use that fame for potential good. Yeah, I think it is. It's definitely a double-edged sword. There's no question of that. But I think asking them to be incredibly secretive is putting a burden on them that is just unnecessary for very little gain. There are things like Lacey does order in and take out to the secret warehouse in their own name, which I kind of was like, Lacey, really? (laughs) I mean, they changed the address of it afterwards. They did. But their yes, name. Yeah. And so it's kind yeah. of that thing of like, they could have used a secret name. They could have just ordered it for the Callisto 6. You know, there are loads of ways to try and create that delineation between your public and private identities. And it's sort of a question of like, how conscious are they when they are making these decisions of the consequences that they will have? But I think it's kind of at that point now where their choices have led them to this point And we can't put everything back in the box now. We have to deal with the situation as it is. Yeah. And speaking of things coming out of the box... And like the level of what this fame is going to do, we had the introduction of Casey Montgomery, a reporter for the only newspaper not owned by Nystrom, owned by Traeger, but still. It's so wild to me that there is just no independent journalism, just at all. In some ways, it doesn't make sense to me, because unless somebody literally owns the internet, which is plausible... There are so many ways for people... Possibly nice troll. Yeah, but there are so many ways for people to get independent news out without being owned by a company. Mm. Like, you could be an independent journalist and fucking blog if you wanted. And there are... There should be enough people that would want independent news that you could start an online independent news company, but... Or a private radio radio station. Yeah, private radio radio station. Pirate radio station. Yeah. A floating city. Yeah. Yeah. Operating it out of raw city. That That, wouldn't happen. That sounds completely illogical. 
<laughs> Who would do that? Even just international news outlets. Like, there, there should be the national broadcasting systems of some countries that should be here reporting on stuff. BBC, yeah. I mean, it depends on, on the country. Like, so you think about in the current day how difficult it is to report on a place like North Korea. Yeah. Or a place like the Vatican. Are we? We're not going to talk quite... about the Vatican. There's their own news service in the Vatican. And they, it is have, quite reported so. on. <laughs> yeah. It is quite reported on, but the actual specificities of the things that happen in those regions, like, there is so much happening in both of those places that we have no idea about. Yes, what I am saying is, it is a different level if LA is trying to be that secretive. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, yes, those places undoubtedly exist, but are you saying that LA is like them? Because if not, they're not fair parallels. No. There are lots of places that have very militaristic regimes, very fascist regimes, and nevertheless, international broadcasters like the BBC, like Al Jazeera, are there. Because they always are. Because that's kind of how international journalism works now. Not to mention sites like Twitter doing that kind of on the ground, just people reacting journalism. So it's really intriguing to me the idea that newspapers are maybe all owned by corporations and the question of how do people get news if not from newspapers and kind of the politics of that. Yeah, it could just be that newspapers or whatever form that they exist in LA 2119 have been completely privately owned and privately taken over. And because Nystral is the biggest communications company in the world. definitely should not be that. Well, that's what it's implied that they are. Yeah, again, like, what is going on with the rest of the world? Again, yeah, this is complicated geopolitics that we have no frame of reference on. Yeah, like, Sweden exists. <laughs> it's really, I'm so excited that Sweden exists. Yes. No, but, but uh, it's, it's Sweden sponsored by Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> but if you take a look, that kind of media consolidation is already ha- happening in today's world. Yeah, you look at the Kosh yeah. family. But it's not, like, it's not as universal as you think, and there are still, like, national broadcasters, and there are still, like, there's still independent journalism as a movement. Whether that's, like, the way The Guardian works in the UK, where they ask for donations in a similar way to Wikipedia to try and create that independent, kind of more cooperative formation of journalism in order to compete. And so it's really interesting, the idea that just, that wouldn't exist. And also the idea that if there was a biggest corporation in the world for communications and telecom, that it would be an American company as opposed to the national broadcaster of, say, China, expanded. Because, like, those are two competing aims. And it's really, really easy if you're a government and you want to, say, prevent people from sending news. You can do that. Like, we know that from China. You can block information very easily on the internet just as a government. So why does a corporation have that amount of power? And does the corporation have that amount of power when it comes to information globally versus nationally versus in this metropolitan area? So I think this is one of those times where we just have to eat the spoonful of cyberpunk salt. (laughs) <laughs> and accept that the corporations have complete control. And also, now that we ha- we have our Lois Lane, pretty much. I mean, we have two Lois Lanes. Yeah. I, I still want Makia's character to come in and be a- in the game. Yeah, you see, Makia's character is more of the Lois Lane analog than I have seen than uh, Casey Montgomery, because... Yeah, Casey's very different to Very, Lois. very new. She's more of a Jimmy than a Lois Lane. If we look at the latest interpretations of Superman, how Lois Lane is the seasoned reporter who has to take Clark Kent under her wing versus a very fresh reporter who has like just discovered this new superhero or something like that. 
but yes, yeah, so, so I think unfortunately Kato, we're just gonna have to deal with this. We can we can hope and lust for complicated geopolitics. I am so about complicated geopolitics. <laughs> you have no idea. That's her second favorite corner. <laughs> I did so much mock UN. You have just no concept. Oh. I have been such a horrible person while representing all sorts of incredibly tiny nations that happen to be on the Security Council. I love this stuff. Oh, sweetie. You're such a nerd. I love you. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) I make no apologies. So let's talk about Casey. I think she's a really interesting character. And having that really humanizing moment of when we first meet her of, I'm terrible at following people. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was really fun. I really liked her. I liked the way she interacted with Anton. And the representation of journalistic integrity was very interesting in LA2119. In a place where everything mm. is controlled by corporations, she has this passion, interest, and even when warned, go away, piss off, ghost. Um, <laughs> I can't not say it. Uh, <laughs> it's too good. She has this desire to tell the story in its truth. Yeah, that is the most positive interpretation of her actions, which is, hmm. Yeah. Because, Let's have like, Kato. I'm with Kato on this one. I think she's really suspicious and I don't like her at all. Uh, do you know what? Because, like, the insight check that they did was good superficially, but <laughs> once we got through the, like, actual what this person is about, we didn't then follow that up with, is she telling the truth? Because, yeah, I think there's probably, even if she does believe in journalistic integrity, there almost definitely is that push and pull with corporate work, because there always is. That is part of how the system works, that is part of how cyberpunk works. She is going to have to decide between the six and her bosses at some point, because that's the game. Yeah, she she can report whatever she wants, but it's going to go through her editor. Like, there's somebody in charge of her, ultimately, that if she exposes too much, given that this paper is controlled by the corporations, is going to go, we're going to cut that, and we're going to cut that, and we're going to cut that, because that implicates us in a whole load of bullshit that we're not ready to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Or, hey, Casey, you're not giving us enough debt. I want pictures of Spider-Man that say that he's an arsehole because I'm J. Jonah Jameson. Like, that is the other part of the game, is the, you know, the Cluster 6 are a menace. Yeah, it's all very... Element of the The story. The Cluster 6, threat or menace. Oh, man. It's all very well her having journalistic integrity, but she works for a corporation. See, I'm very curious as to what 2019's J. Jonah slash Alex Jones looks like. Oh, man. Um, But... Like Matt Key. Like Matt Key, hopefully. <laughs> Invisible Matt DePaul. Key, the boss of Hakeem. I mean, Darren DePaul literally Marquee's is character. J. Jonah Jameson in the new Spider-Man game. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Whereas, whereas Invisible Matt Key is very obviously Marquis' boss. This is my, like, this is the, the pet theory that I'm going to stick to, is that Invisible Matt Key should play Marquis' <laughs> boss. Incredible. Okay, so now everyone. But may I just finish? Yes. Oh. One second. You keep going because I lost my train of thought because I was laughing about Invisible Matt Key. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> like I had a point, but it's gone. So. So, so everyone, open up your drawers and take out your tinfoil hats. Oh, is it time for Crackpot Theories it's with time Mitch? for Crackpot Theories. Yay. I think Howard. Classic. Interesting. See, I don't think that's Crackpot. I, I think that's pretty I don't cool. think she's a reporter. Interesting. That's fair. Uh, I think she's a reporter because okay. she has a visible backable set of articles but yes i will agree that she may have powers think about the level of bullshittery that lacy can pull with a blink but that's lacy yes the corporations have already confirmed that they can do what lacy can do 
with more time. But can they stop Lacey from seeing through that? Maybe. I doubt it. If Lacey's not expecting that, and Lacey can be very trusting. There are digital watermarks that are in computer code, especially with internet uploads. It'd be very yes, hard to fake that stuff. That is the digital watermarks of 2019, not 2119. Do you think there will be fewer? I think there will, there be, will more. be more. But the level, these are the companies that run the internet. Yeah, which is, which is again, so Tim Berners-Lee made the internet and specifically was like, this is free, you should not be able to like charge people for this, this is for everyone. And it is so, so offensive to me that anyone would try and remove that. I know it is happening in the real world right mm -hmm. now, but it is nevertheless so annoying. It's the worst. Um, it is, so yeah. I, I suspect she is powered and whether she is a corporate plant or not, I doubt the validity of her reporter nature. Okay, that is why they should have done an insight check at the end of the conversation between the two of them, as well as at the start. Kato, let my children do the good job that they're doing. There is, well, ba they're doing a steps. terrible job of insight checking. That, yes. What, they and are insight check learning. is better than no insight check. Baby steps. Yeah, they'll, get, they'll get there eventually. I just want them to be. I just want to be able to respond to the kind of because, like, yeah, everything could be terrible. Everyone is lying to them. Half of the people in the Callisto Six are Fletcher clones. Whatever. Like, sure, that level of tinfoil hat theory can exist, but it does create a detriment to the story because why invest in in any of it if you can't trust some of it at least? That's fair. Which is why insight checks are important, because it allows you to go, okay, do I trust that this person is telling me the truth? I did an insight check, I can have a reasonable strength of belief in that. And I think that's like, that's one of the reasons why it would be nice to see more of them, because I think it would give the viewers an ability not to be all conspiracy theory all the time, and to have faith in something, which I think will increase investment. Especially because with that mechanic, whatever that insight check with the XP is, has to be the truth. Yeah. I think maybe I should call what I'm actually looking for a lie detect check, because that's closer to what I'm wanting, is maybe not 100% this is absolutely true, but more of a, you can feel pretty confident that this is more or less the truth. Or you get a sense that this person is on the down low, which can either come from a genuine successful check, or it can come from a person being very good at lying and deceiving. Yeah. Okay, sorry. As is just looking at me like they're going to explode, so I'm okay. just going to give them the floor for a second. Cases are changeling. There we go. What? Okay. Yes. Sorry, Casey. Casey. No, Casey. Not, no, not Casey. Casey. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for clarifying. You know those two words sound the same. <laughs> yes. Montgomery. Casey Montgomery, not Casey. Casey Montgomery is a changeling. A changeling. A changeling. We already have a changeling. I'm interested to see what the relationship will be with Casey moving forward and whether they do take her up on her offer for an interview. But it's one of those things of we need more information and it's only going to become more apparent with time. I, I think it would be a good idea for them to try and get their own side of the story out there so they can at least have attempt some form of control over it. Because right now there's just going to be rampant speculation from all quarters and a story by them would help mitigate some of that. My concern with them putting out their own story, whilst that is a very valid reason to do it, is it might then give other reporters the uh, the idea that they can just approach them. And, you know, it's that worried thing of they're going to be trying to save someone and a reporter's in their face and something terrible happens because they were being harassed. Mm. 
And because of what the press is like, I think if they do interviews, uh, do an interview with Casey, it might then open the floodgate and we might see some like genuine press harassment. And I think that could be really damaging. See, I, I, I think that if you if you don't do it, it's not gonna it's not gonna put off reporters anyway. They're gonna yeah. still try to get that interview. You'll have people like you can have paparazzi going after them at some point if they continue increasing their um fame. Right now, they're basically in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation when it comes to the news and reporting and potential interviews and stuff like. That. That's because they passed their chance to go ahead and have secret identities way back there. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to be upset about that forever, but that's okay. (laughs) But the problem is, we cannot confirm the validity of Casey as a reporter and what level of control the corporations have over her. So even if they were to give a statement to her, that can be manipulated. I think that's why it's important to say, like, while we may think that getting a version of their story out there will be important, it isn't necessarily going to come from any of the cops and their newspapers. It's going to come from, it should come it from should, them. Yeah, but it should come from, like, it can come from underground alternative sites. Like, they are capable of just putting stuff out on the web, essentially, like they did with projecting the six into the sky. They are capable of getting their message out in ways that aren't just through the official channels. Maybe Lacey can create their own website or something. Yeah. Man, if only there yeah. was some, like, pirate radio station yeah. <laughs> they could use. That they could connect with and send out yeah. information. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? We'll have to think about that. Okay, we use that joke um, twice this episode. We can't do it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rule of threes. Comedy comes um, in threes. It gets yeah. funnier the more you do it. Yes. Um, But yeah, I think like we can agree that it's a good idea for them to control some part of the narrative without necessarily agreeing that going through the corpse is a way to do that. And also, I think, while it's true, if they open themselves up to more press contact, the press might interfere with actual rescue missions and things. But to be fair, the public are doing that now anyway, and I would rather a reporter got hurt knowingly putting their life in danger for a story than a random member of the public wandered into the wrong thing and got hurt, if that makes sense. So if they can create a narrative where they say, look, if you see us out and about, don't necessarily approach us, we might be doing work. We might be trying to do something and it could be dangerous and we don't want to hurt you. That might be a message that helps them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think uh, a private publication is probably going to be their best method. But I think getting away from the public eye, we had some some interesting things in the restaurant. Uh, specifically, like, is Cass getting some, like, weird Barry Arlen level of requirements to eat? She's certainly eating a like, lot. That's a I significant just, amount. I just viewed that as Cass really fucking likes food. Yeah. It, like, it could be that. Yeah. I don't think it's been mentioned to a point what, like Hops's like in- intellect issues with the lack of sleep. That it could be again like a really subtle thing because Amy's the king of subtle references. But at the same time, I don't think the metabolism thing has been mentioned in a significant way for it to be potentially harmful. So even if it is something that her and Eric have discussed as a flavor thing, I don't think it's going to affect her negatively or mechanically. Mm. It's hard to say, though, because I think with Hops, the downside was that Hops was struggling to sleep and couldn't sleep, and she didn't try to address that. If Cass's version of that is she takes damage to Mike if she doesn't eat enough, and Amy has just been quietly saying Cass is eating during X scene a lot, Amy may be successfully mitigating the damage by saying, oh, well, Cass is eating. Cass is still eating. Cass is eating lots. And making that a part of the canon so that Eric doesn't have the excuse to take some points. Hmm. Make Cass like Brad Pitt in every movie he's ever in. <laughs> um, but until we 
I think we can leave that under the more data required header. Possibly, I would say, but having known someone who has more significant muscle mass than the average person who ate a metric fuck ton, I have a feeling that this is just the normal effect of her body having all those muscles. Like, literally, Olympians will go through 5,000 calories a day just to maintain their muscle mass. So I don't think this is anything outside of normal. Uh, This is how much you need to eat because this is how much muscle you have. Uh, Cass, in all of the kind of official art, doesn't look hugely muscular. Well, neither is Michael Phelps, mm. but he still ate like 5,000 calories. Have you seen Michael Phelps? (laughs) The dude is fucking a goliath. Michael Phelps is ripped. He's ripped. We... We also don't know how Cass mm-hmm. works. Yeah, we don't know how Cass works, like, but it could be leading no. back to the discussions we've had about side effects and some of the characters having visibly none. Mm. I think, like, it's important to say none of this really tracks one-to-one with science, but if whether it is a deliberate choice between Eric and Amy to be like, this is a downside of your powers, or whether it is just Amy trying to reflect what would be a reality for Cass, that her muscles are doing more stuff that is stronger, whether or not they're or literally larger or not, and it's just Amy trying to reflect that reality personally, or whether it's just Cass likes to eat. It's a really cool additional kind of quiet moment for the character that I really am enjoying. Yeah, it's great fun. And then on the other side of more significant things with powers, Oya had some some more time shenanigans, or space shenanigans, or dimension shenanigans. Time space. I think we're talking dimensional there. Yeah. It was Boya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do think it doesn't. Suddenly, she saw an alternative version of her who is a dude. Yeah, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. Which means that Oya is infinitely more powerful than we have ever fucking guessed. Yes. Oya's powers actually kind of frighten me, to be honest. Yeah. Time-space manipulation, that, that's some scary shit, if you get it they wrong. They absolutely should. It is scary. It's some fifth-dimensional nonsense. I think the difference between a different timeline and a different universe is very nebulous at best. It's kind of hard to say where they are or aren't a thing. Like, it just the, those are kind of basically functionally the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't make a difference to me whether this person is from a different timeline or a different universe, because that different universe will have a different timeline. I think yeah. this is just the way to work it so that they can do a, a, a TBD Doctor Who crossover with Cluster 6. One, One day. day. <laughs> Everyone will play multiple characters. It will be a beautiful, beautiful nonsense. But yes, very confusing, very delightful and terrifying. And then uh, kind of we ending that restaurant scene, we focus a little bit more on our good stretchy boy. He's a good boy. And it's very interesting to see how far Anton has come when we compare, as Casey mentioned earlier, like the PR savvy, selfie taking corporate man to now being quite disillusioned with the corpse and believing in this small tight knit group. It's been a really fun ride for them to throw back. Back to the old show. Uh, that wasn't intentional till he said it. It was. No, it wasn't. I'm a fucking liar. Uh, <laughs> but then, so we had this interesting, like, Anton's interactions with superheroes and actually referencing, like, looking into it a bit more, which I, I think how, is adorable. I love how he's been reading comics as, like, instruction manuals. It's, it's, it's really, really not the way to go. It's not the way to go. It's so naive, but it's so wholesome. No, I, I, really really don't take any advice from superhero comics on how to do superhero in in real life it's also hilarious watching hector try to say he doesn't like comics <laughs> it looks like it hurts him <laughs> it really did 
I do really like the journey that Anton is going on very slowly because I think even at the start of this episode with his discussions with Casey it's very much like he doesn't believe in the concept of a superhero he doesn't believe in that one person can change the world kind of thing and so he doesn't really believe in what the six are doing I think and I think this episode is about his growth and about him coming to a place where he is more capable of accepting that and more capable of participating in this team in a way that he believes in because he still kind of is saying I don't I don't think we can actually change anything I think we're too small and we don't have enough power even though we're so powerful so I think it's really interesting to see how that's intersecting with like obviously his anxiety and everything that's happened and how this episode he gets to save one person and that is how he comes to believe that maybe they can save more people it's really interesting and i think we, we've already talked at length about the insight and how we're very proud of him Cato, we are proud of him we are and i think we see <laughs> in the like anton focus bits we see some more abilities that he's using like his fast talk ability being able to kind of like talk people into doing things and using his speech to actually get results and that's a mechanic he uses to say like oh if we say satchel and then they say satchel it means that they're listening to us so he does use another skill that isn't insight to gain insight into a scene and to gain the knowledge that people are listening and the trivia oh the trivia was adorable the the trivia mechanic was great that was such a cool mechanic i love it yeah i really liked getting those moments of hector using some of anton's powers that maybe haven't been as relevant to what's going on but really getting to see like anton has a lot of skills and getting to see them is really really fun yeah, I think um, when it comes down to like more of the mechanical class things, I think speakers get a lot of the most interesting abilities because they're generally not combat focused. So I think between Anton and Oya, I believe is also a speaker. No. Oya's not a speaker? Oh no, Oya has also. Oya's an Oya's adept. Not... Who's the other speaker? Uh, Luma, Luma, sorry. Yes. Of... Luma, because of Cause the buffs, buffs and nerfs yeah, yeah. and sorry, the ability to talk. Yes. It's like you don't even uh... read my document where I've got massive conspiracies about all the mechanical <laughs> abilities of everyone. You mean that document you are yet to share with me? I, yeah, it doesn't exist, man. It's I in know. my head. I, I, we get, we'll get the brain link. We'll have it. It'll do my <laughs> mind to your mind. I have mine 2.0, baby. Yeah, baby. That's going to make sense to nobody. Yeah, sorry. So having two speakers in the party that are very different is a really good thing because we're going to get a lot of different abilities coming in because of that. But I think when we get got more into Anton this episode, there was the the big moment that was really really well done by Eric and, and Hector, which was the what I'm going to call a panic attack. Uh, there is yeah. technically a lot of uh, specifics that go into defining what panic attacks, PTSD, and anxiety attacks are. I'm going to handball to Kato for a little bit more of a breakdown on what that means. Okay, so this can't be PTSD as a result of Hops' near death because it is too soon. Uh, PTSD comes on delayed after exposure to an event after weeks or months. And it consists of like three core symptoms, which is persistently relieving that via flashback. So avoiding so yeah so it's like having flashbacks where you vividly recall what happened avoiding similar circumstances and then this kind of like grab bag of symptoms like hyper arousal being unable to sleep being irritable having difficulty concentrating being hyper vigilant and exaggeratedly startling and i think we see in this episode bits of that he definitely anton is very hyper vigilant and he has an exaggerated startle response but he's not necessarily flashing back to hobbs's near death and he isn't avoiding similar circumstances and also it's just too soon so in terms of like actual obviously 2019 psychology there is a thing called acute stress reaction which is a very mixed picture which is when you get a kind of really intense set of anxiety symptoms immediately after something that is very stressful and that can come on 
with panic attacks and if you have a general panic disorder that causes general panic attacks it can worsen those states and it can also do things like the agitation the um kind of the over anxiety that anton has uh and then yeah just like he does probably have a predisposition towards panic attacks on the baseline and we see a very good example just in this episode of just what a panic attack is with the sort of the 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 disorientation the feeling of kind of not being real the the feeling of losing control tingling palpitations chest pain being dizzy um all of that is kind of panic attack in a nutshell and they portray it really well i can't say necessarily if that's something anton's always had or if it's just kind of things have been so stressful lately that he's now showing that but yeah definitely really good really beautiful stuff just not ptsd because not everything that happens after a really stressful time is ptsd guys that's that's Mm. the main takeaway is not everything is ptsd yeah and it's super interesting to watch it portrayed in such a way because often in media panic attacks are basically all portrayed in the exact same way like the screen gets a little bit shaky and like sounds and all this other nonsense and lights it's very rarely actually portrayed in a human way and obviously there are lots of different ways to have panic attacks Mm. and it's not always hyperventilating and crying and so whilst that's kind of quite common in panic attacks there are lots and lots of different ways to have panic attacks and the way that both Eric described it and Hector portrayed it were both very real it really was it one shows that they've done their homework or have experienced things like this before and b makes you feel like it was actually happening because you know it's one of those things where a character on tv has a panic attack and is just sat there hyperventilating and shaking and you think "Eh, that's not really what panic attacks are like and the reaction from everybody else was really real as well and also kind of makes you think that uh, luma particularly but all of them oh luma and lacy particularly but basically everybody has experienced either a panic attack themselves or somebody that's had one close to them in their lives and is well versed on how to react so there was the stimulus of the smells of the food and the cold glove on the back of his neck and the meditation and it was cast with the breathing oh Oh. so unsubtle and it was really sweet (laughs) it was really wholesome but yeah the whole scene played out very realistically and it was a really good portrayal of a panic attack that didn't feel either stereotyped or overplayed and it was it, it in its realness felt like the the appropriate reaction that Anton would have had in that moment. It didn't feel out of character. It didn't feel weird. And I I I was just I was kind of overwhelmed by how well it was done, like from all sides. I do think yeah. I think like when I say like there are these things that aren't PTSD that are anxiety disorders. It kind of it makes me really glad that we're seeing one that isn't as doesn't come up as much as PTSD does because I think PTSD is the go-to for superheroes. You know, they lose someone or they go through a, a really traumatic battle and then they get PTSD, which is a totally appropriate reaction. And PTSD is a really common thing and it can affect a lot of people who go through things, not just fights. But it's really nice to see something that isn't that portrayed in a way that is so thoughtful and so considerate. So I was really glad that we got that. But I think the downside of that is it was so realistic that it probably, for a lot of people, was hard to watch because of how well they played it. Yeah, and that was actually going to lead into what I was about to say now, is to take a quick step back for anyone who did watch this and is listening, like anxiety attacks and anxiety. Uh, if, they, if you are experiencing anxiety and that kind of stuff, please seek help. 
we will put some links in the show notes that relate to the places where you can get that help in different countries and if you need pointing in any other direction uh it's probably best to just quickly google it and your country of origin because like uh but there definitely is help like there are ways to teach you kind of ways to deal with this or different ways to intervene that prevent this from becoming something that dominates your life in a negative way and we encourage everyone to reach out for that support in whatever way you can and obviously gosh medical access is so difficult and so complicated in so many places but and if you have access to it therapy is great and example of somebody who suffered with anxiety so bad that I couldn't even talk to supermarket cashiers because it would trigger a panic attack and now I function mostly like a human being because therapy is great Mm. so if you have access to it I would highly recommend it even if it seems kind of daunting go get therapy everyone should have a therapist you guys cool yes bringing it back to the discussion we had the echoes of Hops's near passing with Anton panic attack and also with kind of residual activities happening outside of that we had the two ciphers that we knew Lacey had created finally revealed in the transdermal automatic external defibrillators. I really feel like we shouldn't say finally when it's only been one episode of suspense. We should save that for like Cass's backstory and things that have really been held back for a long time. Except I really wanted to know so it was finally. Okay uh well yeah these are really cool. These are awesome. Yeah I hope that you get a specific type of problem that causes you to go to zero hit points uh, in all your pools. That means that a different relator would be the appropriate management because lord knows it is not for so many things. Yeah as much as this is really cool my medical brain was like kicking in when she was like yeah it's a defib and I was like oh man that's gonna be a really specific circumstance for a defib to work. If you're flatlining that's out. I mean Yeah, like, maybe it's just that whenever your pools drop to zero, you get an arrhythmia before you arrest. Yeah, that's just how the system (laughs) is. And and a shockable arrhythmia at that. That's just how the world works in 2019. DFIBs don't work as seen on TV. They really don't. If you're flatlining, no one is going to defib you. I'm sorry to break it to you guys. It's an epi in the CPR. We will, however... Yeah, like, loads of CPR, and then maybe your heart will start beating again, and then maybe your heart will be beating in an irregular rhythm that is shockable into a normal rhythm, and then we will shock you after that. Yes. Maybe some kind of cipher which activates, like, CPR on, you know, that you wear, and it just starts automatically doing CPR if your heart stops. It sends an alarm to so Florence, the medical bot! <laughs> <sighs> there are, there are, um... I am Florence, the medical are... bot. Do you have a medical issue that you need help with right now? Um, please state the nature of the medical emergency. <laughs> uh, there is a there is there is a thing right now um that you can put on either side of a person's chest that will automatically do chest compressions for you and will do it. Oh shit, that's cool! I didn't yeah, know that. Uh, yeah, like um, I don't think I think it's very much still like a prototype, but like a hundred years time, definitely a thing that you could get. Nice. Uh, yeah, like I have to say, I do not know where it is on like FDA or like nice or like any of like bts sign approval but like definitely there is this thing and it will do like to the proper depth and it will do a lot of that stuff because actually when you're doing cpr the hard bit is chest compressions and the easy bit is breathing into someone's mouth so yeah it's like the technology will exist to do a lot of resuscitation more in a technological way without actual human intervention it just doesn't exist yet but you know regardless it's a cool cipher it's a really cute idea and an actually good cipher yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Kato is going to be happy. It's, 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 and it hopefully won't see use, but who knows. I like that Lacey clearly is just going to make more of them. Oh, clearly. Like, yes. They're just going to have this stockpile. 
pretty good idea. Just everyone just has all of these in them, like 50 of them. I will never die. You know there is a limit to the number of ciphers you can have, yeah, right, Mitch? <laughs> also, just while we're on the subject, I love the fact that we've managed to basically work in an EMH into into uh, Callisto 6. <laughs> and Florence is great, and I'm not sure who is more unapologetically delighted, Lacey or Sam. Just in general, the smirk on their face when Florence is talking adds years to my life, clears my skin, cures my pressures. <laughs> Why that both? All. Everything. All While we are talking about interventions that people made as a result of hops, so Cass also has this moment where she really apologizes for rushing in. It's interesting because rushing in is part of what Cass does. She looks for trouble. Um, and so it's interesting to see her kind of thinking through that. And I'm really curious to see where it goes because the cipher system is so built on this idea of your adjective your adjective noun who verbs being so much a part of your character it's like who you are can you change that if Cass learnt to be less impulsive could we see her lose that if Cass learnt not to go looking for trouble could we see her take a couple of levels in a different skill or a different focus even so I'm really curious about that because it's kind of like this is who Cass is on such a fundamental level I'm really curious about how her growth will or won't follow a path of accepting and realizing why it gets people into trouble and changing and how much she can with in the confines of the system it really depends on what is that going to change into and what kind of because a lot of the verbs are so like weirdly specific so whether you'd be manufacturing purely for what Cass is currently doing and then making abilities because of that like there's not a lot of wiggle room there within the system I don't know. I feel like although there is nothing specifically saying, hey, you might grow to a point where you don't do this thing, there is an option for making an entirely custom focus. And there, there's nothing to say you couldn't go, hey, GM, my character is no longer impulsive. My character is now measured or my character is now thoughtful or my character has changed in such a way that the adjective no longer fits. Because really, the adjective is quite easy to change out because it's literally just um, it's just a couple of buffs and nerfs. It doesn't have that much of an impact and it doesn't change tier to tier. Yeah. And then the tier thing might be that Cass might take, say, on her way to tier three, we might realize that Cass isn't looking for trouble anymore. And then maybe her tier three level up levels into something else. And we get a kind of interesting hybrid, like how multiclassing works in D&D. Maybe I am placing too much faith in Cass's ability to change. We will see. But I think mechanically, that's something that fascinates me. Yeah, for sure. And it's an interesting option, but I'm not sure we'll see that happen. But I, I hope we do, because I love interesting mechanical nonsense. But I think shifting forward beyond the fallout from Hops, we had kind of realization that maybe the team needs a leader. It's a really interesting idea that I don't know if I agree with. And I think we see that everyone is kind of like, yeah, I mean, a leader, I don't want to be the leader. Anton, you said you wanted a leader, you can be the leader. And I went into this kind of not really wanting Hector to be to be leader again because he was leader last time. But then everyone was like, no, you. <laughs> yeah, but I think like this doesn't necessarily mean Anton will be the leader forever. No. I think they may be right that someone needs to make the calls about each mission and someone needs to say, okay, we're going to back away, we're pulling out. But there are lots of groups where there isn't one defined leader. It's just if someone makes the call, they all agree to follow it. And maybe, like, to my mind, Lacey, who is often apart from everyone else and watching what's going on and picking up on what's changing around them, is in a good place to say, guys, we need to go. Whether Lacey would accept that as leadership, I don't know. Hmm. 
they see of, often has a good overview of a situation uh, and is not generally involved in the thicker things in combat. So yeah, I can see them having a role in perhaps analysing the tactical situation and maybe calling a retreat or other such things during a battle. That is until Lacey gets a dope-ass mech suit. <laughs> there is that, yes. Regardless, it's a very interesting concept. I like the way they've settled on, we will rotate the leader. Whether or not they actually put that into practice will, yeah. you know, will follow. More information is required. A mission-specific leader sounds a, it sounds like a good compromise. Hmm. And I think it makes sense based on what the mission requires. Because if the mission is much more tech-based, it makes sense for Lacey to be in charge and call the shots. Yeah. If it's much more let's fly in and punch things, it's much more... You know, for Cass to be in charge, if it's social-based, it should be Rumor or yeah. Anton. Like, there are reasons why it makes a lot of sense for the leader to rotate or take point, but it's also something that might not necessarily be able to be put into practice at all times because they may be thrust into situations without being able to plan in advance or designate a leader. Yeah, so they may be yeah. a default. I think also just it makes sense in these episodes that are so character focused that everyone says, well, we'll defer to you, the person whose life is at stake here. And in this case, that was Anton. It's your mother. It's your father. It's your whatever. Boss slash maybe girlfriend at some point. (laughs) Crush. Who knows? There's so many people that Anton just has potentially to be a partner with. He is a handsome chap. That is the opposite of a problem. It is the opposite of a problem. But I did see uh, uh, the shipping has gotten to an extreme point where I saw someone calling it, it's not not, not calling it shipping, calling it fleeting. (laughs) (laughs) But it it lasts so much longer than that. (laughs) Now, in all honesty, it's just because Hector forgot that Melissa was his co-worker and not his boss that we have this confusion, but (laughs) still. Yeah, I know. The fact that there is Melissa and Michelle made it hard because I forgot half the time. Yeah. Yeah. It that is nobody's fault but Hector's. <laughs> Damn it, Hector. And possibly Eric's. Possibly Eric, yeah. I mean one of them's English, one of them isn't. No, they were both English, I'm pretty sure. But which one? Both English? Yeah, they're both English. Maybe they weren't both English at the start, but they might be both English now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, possibly. So the latter half of the episode was covered in finding and rescuing Melissa. And the poor thing has basically been dragged into all of this mess because she talked to Anton one time. Oh, those corporations and their sanitation. Well, has she been dragged or is she another plant? I don't think she's a plant. Here's my theory. Because one of the things that was very noticeable about her was that she's really not very good at hiding from the court, but they still haven't come to find her yet. And I think they're waiting for her to eventually, or taking the bet that she will try and contact the team or try and contact Anton to get in touch with them to be rescued, so that then they can keep tabs on the Callisto 6 through Melissa. Or get to C6 through Melissa. I'm pretty sure the corpse know where they are at this point. Or to see how it plays out. I think they're biding their time to get Melissa sit in with them i don't think she's a plant i think they haven't come to get her because they're waiting for her to make contact with them in some respect i but that's that's my that's my theory but yeah she's she's so bad at avoiding the corpse it's adorable Hmm. yeah but again this brings up the thing that we said way back when they first were at blue dolphin the corpse already know about the place yeah and it was heavily implied by eric that the corpse know they're at blue dolphin (laughs) yeah it's it's such a strange like superhero scenario mm-hmm. which is like everyone that could potentially want to hurt them knows exactly where they are knows exactly who they are knows exactly who their families are nothing is happening yet 
And yeah, and that's probably because of the influences of both Old Man and Corporate Kylan. Yeah. And a healthy dose of Fletcher going, hey, um, well, I've lost my assassin. And who knows what's actually going on? Plus, there's all these new superpowered people that I wasn't planning for. And like, possibly still processing a lot of what happened towards the end of last season, beginning of this. I think we should all agree that now we know that the corpse know where the base is. It shouldn't be the secret base. It should be the secret, in inverted commas, base. I know they call it Blue Dolphin, but it's definitely the secret base. Secret spelled S-E-K-R-I-T. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not secret at all, you guys. Hashtag you tried. <laughs> yeah, so we had a small micro superhero rescue. In the flight down to the multiplex, I think Eric called it. Yeah, the, the giant apartment the building. The judge red apartment building. Mm-hmm. And smashing open the window. Safely. Safely, thanks to the assistance from Hops. I love the fact that Cass uh, or Amy was like, yeah, she was about to play, like punch the most dangerous part, like right in the fucking middle. And then Bonnie's like, the top corner would be better. And she's like, oh, right, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, amazing. It was great. But yeah, it was, we had some kind of gross things. Oh, the suction cup fingers. It's always gross with Anton's powers. The suction cup fingers were both delightful and horrifying. What I'm very curious about is, like, to what level can Anton manipulate his form? And is it just stretchy? Is it, like, will we get density stuff? And, like, is he basically just a mimic octopus? Oh my god, he is. That's his That's his superhero name, the mimic octopus. The mimic-tipus. <laughs> I mean, to be fair... Luma has half of the mimic yeah. octopus bit, the, like, change in colour. And also can change muscle mass and density and all that kind of nonsense. Yes, it's very complicated. But yes, it was kind of gross, but also kind of interesting, and also a little bit funny. When it, mm-hmm. and This is the second time Anton has been a, a bridge. He's getting better yeah. at it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is, this time, he's got rails. He is literally safer than all of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> So you know what the next step is. <laughs> so, but you know what the next step is. So like we had no rails, we've got rails now. The next step. You, it's gonna be okay? a covered bridge. It's gonna be a covered bridge. Has, has now. Gone. Take, take a breath. Take a breath. Marshmallow. Marshmallow. So the next step after making a bridge, making rails is somehow manipulating his body to be like an escalator. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Oh yeah. no, the, 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 the physics of that is making my toes go curly. Oh, oh yes, yes. He should do that, and it would be revolting, but he should do that. Yeah. I think every, that, like, bit. Oh, I think that's the same oh. that my feeling with every time Anton discovers like a new power is it's disgusting, but you should definitely keep doing it. Yes. Just don't name it terrible things. I think my favourite bit, though, of this section was Melissa being the most quintessentially British she could possibly be and say, hi, Anton, may I please death with you? <laughs> Sorry, that sounded kinky. It did sound kinky. I'm leaving it, it like that. Kinky. So yeah. once... <laughs> it... I'm just, I'm sorry, but like, the the two bits of kink that it combines are not not in the same ballpark at all. all. And that's what makes it good. May I please step on you? Those are, the Venn diagram doesn't work. No. It's like the upside down of Venn diagrams. Uh, So, after that delightful, definitely not kink interaction. Please don't tell me that's going that's in the end. It has to go in the end. I haven't done a pickup. Like, There's no pickup there. We had a, a wonderful heart to heart to heart to heart 
to heart to heart to heart. I've lost count. With Anton and Melissa having quite an interesting discussion about who they are as a potential personal close relationship, whilst everyone else tries terribly not to listen. Oh, the bit where she's like, when did you really think you were going to take me on a date? Where was the time for that going to be? And he's like, I don't fucking know, my dude. (laughs) (laughs) This was really nice, actually, because a lot of Anton so far, I mean, there have been some really, really, like, emotional bits with Anton, but a lot of Anton's interactions in C6 so far have been quite comedic and for kind of, like, comic relief. And so this was really nice to kind of get a really serious moment that kind of gave you quite a lot of insight into Anton as well, and kind of who he is when he's not being a stretchy boy. And I think it was just, I think it was really, really nice. And also the very, again, a lot of the scenes that you get that are really emotional and deep in Close to end up being really real because particularly with this one you get the bit i think it was where bonnie snorts as like hops is like just giggle snorts at something that anton says and he turns around like oh yeah so you yeah sure sure you're not fucking listening you want to come over because you're clearly eavesdropping and again that's just a very real moment that would kind of really they're having this really deep moment and it's getting kind of like oh no this is getting maybe a bit depressing and then it's like oh yeah let's lighten the mood by snorting And it just, all of it feels so real and all these interactions feel so real and none of it ever feels overplayed. And so when you get those brilliant moments of comedy in a serious moment, it doesn't ever feel like it's ruined or broken that moment in a bad way. I'm really, really into the emotional or the kind of more character-heavy episodes that we're getting because I think it lends to some really interesting RP and some really realistic and touching scenes with all of the characters. I also think this episode has a very different pace from the last episode. Yeah. There's a little bit still of kind of the desperate chase and the action before we get a quiet moment. But I think so much of last episode was about the bank board race, which is really fun and exciting, but also meant we didn't get quite as much time to dwell on Luma and maybe on that last sort of moment with Hawk and the sort of the loss and everything. So it was really nice to have the time with Anton to really dwell on and unpack what was going on. I think it was a really beautiful moment. And it was really nice to let all those emotions breathe. So like, one thing I also did like and would like to bring up is Anton's relationship with his parents, specifically his mother, and the fact that he's basically checking in nearly constantly with scientific updates on his state, and like, here's a whole bunch of research, please help me figure out how my power works. And his health as well. Mm. Like, the, uh, the printouts he's getting from Florence he's sending to his parents. It's real wholesome. Such a fucking nerd. Yeah, I, I really like that. I it, love him. It's a very small gesture, but it shows you what those people mean to him. Yeah. Like, there's no pretense at all with Anton and his parents, which is why I was a little disappointed we didn't get to meet them. Just wait till Eric gets his hands on them. Yeah. Oh, yes, please. And yeah, I would really, I'm really interested to see where this goes with Anton in the future. One other thing I'd like to say about Anton in this scene was I really liked the bit where... Fuck, what's her name? Melissa? Yes. Melissa asks if, like, you know, how do you do this? How do you cope? And Anton's like, well, actually, it's pretty fucking shitty a lot of the time. I really like the fact that, again, there's no pretense. He's like, (laughs) honestly, it fucking sucks. My friend almost died. But there are some really good moments, too. And you cope by surrounding yourself with people that support you and have your back and allow you to have those moments where you, you're allowed to grieve and feel shitty and wallow in the fact that your friend almost died. It's not just like, well, yep, up we go, moving on. It doesn't matter. She's alive. 
you're allowed to be upset about it and like you know they're encouraging each other now to kind of be more open about their feelings and kind of they really are supporting each other in a really good emotional way for the most part not that the support isn't there it's more that people still aren't 100% sharing everything but and I, I really like the fact that he was like yeah we could because we have each other and that's a very cliche stereotype but it's you know it's it's one that I've always kind of like fully supported you give me a ragtag bunch of people that end up as like you know found family and I will eat it up day in day out every day of my life so I, I just think it was a really nice way of Anton being like yeah to be honest actually it's it's not great and we don't cope sometimes but we get through it with each other and I think that's a really nice succinct way of looking at Callisto 6 as a whole or their story as a whole absolutely I have nothing to add to that it was very well said so I think with this being the sixth episode, we're now halfway through season two. Oh my god, it's gone so quickly. Halfway through season one, we were in a completely different scenario. Like we were dealing with tales, we were dealing with all sorts of nonsense. We didn't even know half of the Fletcher conspiracy. And this season has been a way more gentle and more introspective season. Yeah, I was going to say, I think about this time is when Corporate Kraus had them all in the lab. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So we were at that, oh, this is the lab that gave you your powers. I know that's either episode five or episode six. Yeah, we had that, that high tension there, and, and now it's just, it's a different, almost, I, I don't want to say like a 180 or an opposite. But it's just a completely different feel to the midpoint than it was last season. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's, there's so much potential of continuing down this personal story road or going back to the kind of problems at hand with the moon base and the other Callisto energy and the, the four horsemen. I really hope this stays a little bit more introspective. We might be able to pick up the pace in the last couple of episodes so that we leave with a nice panted clamble cliffhanger before the start of series three. Well done. If you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. Sam says it on air now. I like, yeah. I can't escape this. No. But, you know, maybe we'll get like a really nice story drop just before the end of season three. So we've got a good way for season three to start. But I really hope we get some more introspective. Like, I, I like some of the faster paced moments. So like we had that whole episode of combat. And it'll be really cool if we have not a whole episode of combat. Please don't do that to me again. But <laughs> another episode that's a bit more fast paced, kind of intermingled, but with an emphasis on personal stories and development because I think it's a, a nice change of pace from series one, which was so fast-paced and also gives us some really, like, good, meaty backstory to go into series three with because those char these characters are so much more well-rounded now. They know each other a lot better. We know more about them. We are more invested in them. And so if we go into series three with higher stake, it gives us an opportunity to be much more invested in those high stakes because we're not constantly questioning who are these people we don't really know anything about them you know if it got to series three and we still don't really know anything about them you're like well we're only invested because we care about the show and we like the people that are in it if this was a tv show that have aired i probably you know i might have stopped watching because i'm being given nothing but i really think that this emphasis on characters in season two is not only really interesting and gives us a really wide variety of different stories to tell in this series but it gives us a perfect setup 
for season three to be like really meaty and plot heavy and raise the stakes higher and higher and higher and for us to be really really invested in them and the characters because of what we now know about them from series two Mm. it also helps build on so we mentioned this uh i think back in season one of rcr of going from a system and a game in which we had established set relationships to having none or three relationships with with the pairs and now we're actually at that point where we have these relationships yeah and all of the characters feel interconnected it's a bit more of a spider web yeah we have this web we have this family unit so now when drama happens to the family unit we're way more invested as you said so i think i'm not sure what we're gonna get out of the finale this season and if it does continue on the path we've got four more individual episodes or three more sorry i can't count so i'm not sure if i counted the the hops one as a hops episode we we haven't really discussed it, but apparently that is the official word. Okay. Hops' episodes was the kickstart of the sixth set mm. of internals, which will make it a nice symmetrical thing around the season. Yeah, so then we have the six in the middle. Beautiful. What those three episodes will be beholden, I'm very curious about, whether we see Tails again, whether it is more focused on Fletcher and the Horseman, or whether it's focused on a completely new meta-human villain, which I would be really hyped to see. One who may not even know their identities. Yes, amazing. That's just kind of like let's let's ha- let's get a rogues gallery going. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are so many different ways this story can go. I think I love the four horsemen. I want to know more about them as individuals, not just uh, pawns. I want to ultimately destroy Fletcher or at least defeat their goals. I think Tails needs sorting out in some way, but I do want to see some superpowered villains because I just love them as well. But I think one of the key things is the first season had a lot of plot and this season has a lot of soul. And we shouldn't necessarily say, oh, well, next season is going to go back to plot and then we'll have more soul in season four. I think hopefully this season and these set of episodes is about kind of everybody recognizing we really like downtime episodes. We really like getting to know the characters more. All the players enjoy it. The viewers enjoy it. And sort of maybe finding a hybrid where... We don't have to have six episodes that are entirely focused on backstory, but we also don't have to have 12 episodes that are plot from start to finish. We can have some balance in between those two things that gets to an even better height of what this story can be. Yeah. And I think what I'm excited about in the, in the I don't think we'll get any in the next three episodes because there'll be the backstory episodes, is what guests we're going to get coming to the table. So we had three in the first season. We've had one so far. To be fair, we had only had just Mark. Yeah, this, at this point, this time we only had season. Mark last time. And we'd actually even in, we'd said, yeah, that's probably going to be the only guest this season. And we were very, very wrong. <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> we're not great at predicting the future. Maybe we should say it again yeah, so that they have to have guests. No guests. That's it. We're done. No more guests. But I would really love to see potentially some of the people from Overlight as a guest, someone like Josh, who was just really, really great. And But it, yeah, I want to see some new faces. I, I want Markia to be in the world and have powers and be dope as hell. I really need to see more of Matt Key. He, he has become invisible now. I do not see him every week. And I want him to be partially visible. <laughs> partially by... visible Matt Key. Ti- partially visible <laughs> that, Matt That Key. will be his superpower. Partial invisibility. Yeah, just occasionally appearing on Callisto 6. Not even as a character, just as himself. It's just like, just like Cliff. Bring me pictures of Stretchy Man! <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, that's, that's all I want, is Matt Key. Matt, Matt Key to come on and briefly just be Matt Key, because I am fond of him. He's, he's a good boy. Yeah. 
And it's a shame because we're going to be seeing less of him because of Wednesday Club. We're not talking about that. They brought it up on the episode and it was mean. I was not okay. So, yeah. And I think everyone here, like, I think I speak for everyone when I say we are so excited because of this, how this season has panned out for what they're going to do. And with that, you can follow the Raft City Radio podcast on Twitter at callisto 6 or email us at raftcityradio at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store, and we would gladly appreciate it if you decide to leave a rating or write a review. We now have a Patreon and a coffee. Links to both can be found on our Twitter. Support us on Patreon for early access to our episodes and for bonus content. Our show notes for this episode can be located at www.rossityradio.com forward slash episode forward slash two dash six. Our theme song is Cephalopod by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his work at www.incompetech.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned to this frequency. Why are you so sad? It's not sad. <laughs> I just really need to vary it. <laughs> it's literally just I try to find new ways of saying my catchphrase. I mean, we literally always introduce the rest of ourselves the same way. You can just be consistent. I don't know how. <laughs> no, consistency is for nerds. We or are nerds. For fluids. Consistency are nerds, is for fluids. <laughs> Why are you like this? Because it gets the ladies. <laughs>